Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Tara Vander Dusen, also known on social media as the New Mexico Milkmaid. Thanks so much for being with us today, Tara. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Let's start out with having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Annie. I'm excited to share with your audience today. So as you said, my name is Tara Vanderdusen. I um, share have shared online as the New Mexico Milkmaid. And I uh, grew up, I'm a fifth generation dairy farmer. So I grew up on my family dairy farm and I married a dairy farmer. So I'm currently dairy farming with my husband, our two girls and my husband's family here in Eastern New Mexico. Um, my role has been on the dairy for, um, as a little different than maybe a traditional role. I got my degree in environmental science and I have worked for the last 10 years as an environmental consultant on dairy farms and agricultural, different agricultural sites and projects throughout New Mexico and the Southwest. And just from everything from environmental regulation to permitting, um, you know, water sampling, soil sampling, kind of all of all things, environmental manure management on the dairy has been my focus. I, six years ago started sharing though online and just seeing a lot of misinformation around dairy and the impact on the environment and just kind of wanted to set the, the record straight. So I started sharing and, um, yeah, that's, that's grown into a whole, a whole lot of, um, fun and interesting things I've been able to do. Um, and so that's just a little bit about me. So today we're going to discuss something that many dairies are struggling with today, which is how to remain profitable among the ever-changing environmental regulations. So let's first start off with how you got to where you are today and why you're passionate about bringing your work as an environmental scientist and dairy farming together. Yeah. So when I was actually in college, I feel like kind of obviously like formative years, my dad was working with our state environment department. Um, he was a part of a dairy group who was working to set new environmental standards and regulations. It's called the dairy rule is what the the title ended up being, but basically a new, new regulations here in New Mexico of what dairies had to do to be in compliance with their permitting. And it was just a lot of back and forth. Like I'm talking like, I think it was like a decade in the end. It was like 10 years of redoing these regulations and following through, through on them and seeing how they worked. And it just went, the conversations just were sometimes just counterproductive. Um, they just, it it seemed like they were having to me, it seemed like they were having a hard time finding middle ground. And so that was kind of actually what really led me to get my degree in environmental sciences. I just felt like there needed to be someone that was like speaking both languages. Um, someone that was talking with regulators and could, you know, have a conversation with them while at the same time, talk with dairy farmers and understand their struggles, their concerns, and like bring these two people together, these two, two people that, actually want the same thing together. And I think that's the thing in these environmental conversations that often gets lost is that, you know, dairy farmers want to protect their land, their water, their natural resources, just as much as their regulators. It's just finding that commonality and that 
you know, the regulations that make sense um, and practices that make sense actually on farm. Because I think a lot of times with environmental regulations, things can make sense to someone on paper, but when you actually get out on the farm and see the practicality of it, it can just be very different. And so I really, that's what I went into um, my career as an environmental consultant with that idea of mind of being that that kind of go between and being able to really represent my dairy farmer clients um, with their regulators. So I'm sure no two days are like working as an environmental consultant, but can you walk us through a bit of what your day is like specifically when you're working on a dairy farm? Yeah. So funny today, I'm actually sampling so I can share what I'm doing today. Um, and it, obviously this changes. I do a lot of, you know, social media outreach on my platforms now, um, a lot more looking at kind of um, the, the national global scale of sustainability for dairy. But when I get to just go back and work on my clients' dairies, what that actually looks like is so today I'm going to be sampling monitoring wells. Um, so dairies in New Mexico and some of the other states as well, we have monitoring wells that essentially do exactly what they say. They monitor groundwater. So we're monitoring water um, upgrade gradient coming onto the farm or monitoring, um, downgrading of any lagoons, um, holding ponds, holding tanks, um, any land application fields. And then finally there's a downgrading at well that monitors anything leaving the farm. So I'll be sampling those wells. Um, I sample for a number of things. Um, it's kind of called a dairy uh, sweep that we get from our lab, but it's a different types of nitrogen, TDS, chloride, uh, sulfur, I also will sample the lagoons today and, um, today once a year, we have to sample all of our production wells. We actually take into account when we're doing our calculations for our fields of how much nitrogen we can apply. We keep track, not only of the nitrogen coming out of the lagoon, but if there's any nitrogen coming out of the production wells as well, we have to include that calculation. So today I'll be sampling our production wells um, for that calculation. So lots and lots of water sampling and one lagoon sample for today. And, um, so uh, it's kind of funny sampling. I feel like it is like 90% paperwork actually. <laughs> um, so this morning I've spent my morning filling out all my chain of custodies, all my labels, getting all my bottle kits ready, um, making sure I have just everything I need. Um, some of the things in addition to the bottle that we like physically ship off to the lab is we take some field parameters as well. So I take a depth to water at every well to figure out how deep the wells are. We use those depth to water to calculate um, groundwater flow direction, which is something we're required to do. And then um, I'll also take um, temperature, pH, um, and electrical conductivity out in the field as well. So what are some of the top frustrations and concerns you're hearing from dairy farmers? So I think one of the big things has always been, this is not something new, but when, you know, regulations are put in place um, and dairy farmers, you know, comply with those regulations. I, you know, one thing that comes to mind was in the nineties um, here in New Mexico, um, they were told a certain type of lagoon liner was approved and it was great and you could use it. And so they, you know, dairy farmers went forth and lined their lagoons with that type of liner. Well, like early 2000s rolled around and it was like, nope, that's not the liner anymore. You know, now we need um, a synthetic like lined, you know, X amount, you know, all the requirements and making those changes. I mean, uh, depending on how big the lagoon is, I mean, it's hundreds of thousands, if not just, you know, under million dollars to redo your entire lagoon management system, your manure management system. And so I think one of the frustrations is when there's changing environmental regulations and farmers comply, and then they change again, it just can become such a financial burden. 
And I think this even goes into like sustainability practices. There's so many new technologies out there. So many different things being thrown at dairy farmers of, oh, this will work. This will, this is going to be it. You know, it's going to change things. And we really have to do our due diligence, not just as farmers, but as regulators, making sure that whatever we're asking of farmers actually makes sense, that it's going to, you know, stand the test of time and still be relevant 10, 20 years from now. It's just not practical to ask farmers to constantly be changing, you know, their entire system. It's just not financially feasible. And so that was always one thing that was just a real concern I hear from my clients is, okay, I'm going to do this, but like, if I do this, how long before they, they're telling me I need to do something else. For some of your clients, I'm sure environmental changes are often seen as a cost output with no financial benefits in return. How does someone in your role work with dairies to help them find those benefits? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, It really, I feel like depends on the project. A lot of times, um, like there's, I had two approaches when working with my clients. One is every year I try to have a year end summary then in like January that goes over the last year and kind of looks ahead at the next year. What are some things that were concerns of this year? You know, do we have some ponding somewhere where we end up with, you know, some low spots on the dairy that we can maybe fill in is the, you know, manure separator system, like working as well as it should be kind of giving them some options for that year. What could we do that would actually be an improvement, but also like make your life easier. If you're constantly going and dealing with manure separators, fixing things, you know, replacing things, that's a lot of time and energy off of, you know, you not being not dairy farming, you know, dealing with the manure management system. So what could we improve that would be like, you know, more sustainable while also maybe creating less headaches for you. So that was one approach that I've always taken. Um, Another is if they're looking to upgrade a system, I am a big fan of working with your local NRCS office, seeing if there's equip funds for it. You know, applying for equip funds is there's a lot of hoops to jump through. But in the end, if you can work with your NRCS office, there are funds out there to really make great updates and changes and, um, you know, add more sustainability projects, like more sustainability uh, management styles. And so looking into those funding options is something I always encourage farmers, especially if it was something that you could kind of plan out Um, with equip, you know, it can take up to a year. So it can't be something that, you know, on dairies, a lot of times when something breaks, it needs to be fixed by the next day. But if it's something you can plan out even just a little bit and give yourself a little bit of a heads up, like, okay, that separator is giving us problems. We are spending a lot of time. What could we do to upgrade it? And would we be able to apply for equip funds for it? And I think now um, more than ever with a lot of these like green technologies, you know, climate smart um, incentives and different grants and loans and funds out there available, I really encourage farmers to explore those when they're making changes to, you know, manure management, water conservation. Um, If they're upgrading like electrical, they're becoming more energy efficient. Look into the options that are out there and see if there's some financial assistance out there before you have to go and make a big change. So along those lines, what are some low cost best practices dairies can do to set themselves up for success for the future? You know, one example I really love to use is really in the barn. Um, Here in New Mexico, we're regulated on exactly how much water we're allowed to use in our barn. And we really try to get that number as low as possible, just for lots of reasons. First, if we don't have to pay the pumping cost, then that's 
you know, obviously an improvement. If we can reduce our water use, we don't have a lot of water, so we need to be doing that. And then if we can recycle water, um, all the better. And so one of the things that like can make big differences, the smallest management practices, I truly believe small changes can have a big impact. And it can be as simple as, you know, putting nozzles on all of your hoses, making sure they're not leaking, um, putting timers on your hoses. And these practices, what's so funny is sometimes they have like a ripple effect. So, you know, if you have a leaky hose, it's amazing or a couple leaky hoses. It's amazing how fixing those, how much of a water reduction you can have. I mean, it's just like your kitchen sink and seeing that in, you know, your electrical pumping cost. Um, but also something else we found is, I mean, who doesn't like love to just like hose something off. I feel like that is like, I don't know. I love like standing there hosing things off. And we found a lot of times with the timers on the hoses, it kind of reminded, you know, the staff, everyone, you know, whoever's cleaning the barn to be like, Oh yeah, like I've got to wrap it up. I've got to get done and move on to the next task. Um, and so it can even have like improvements beyond just like water conservation that you may not think about. So I do think those just looking around at the dairy, um, and around the farm and figuring out, you know, what can be changed. Um, you know, obviously we're in New Mexico, so this isn't going to be relevant to everyone, but like making sure your wells are, you know, properly like have the right pumping capacity for how much water they currently have. A lot of times some of these older wells, they're set at a certain time when we're having X amount of gallons per minute. And as that drops off, you may need to adjust those so that you're not just wasting power. I love it. Those are some really great, easy tips for sure. Especially I like the, the timer one. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like when people think about like changing things, I, I feel like our minds automatically go to these massive projects. And I just don't believe that's always the answer. I think sometimes it's, it is just looking at the little things and seeing where you can save and where you can make changes. Absolutely. So a little bit, um, I think on the flip side, have there been any major regulatory changes recently that dairy farmers need to know about now so they can take action as environmental stewards? Gosh, this is so, that's such a broad question. Um, you know, there's constantly changing federal regulations. We know like um, waterways of the U.S. has changed and changed back again and changed back and it's hard to keep up with. And then every state obviously has each and every single one of their own requirements. So I always recommend if you have a question, you know, talk with your environment department, build a relationship with them, um, reach out to, if you don't have an environmental consultant, you know, reach out to your consult, a consultant in your area and make sure that you're, you're up to date with things. Um, but I, I cannot stress enough how having a relationship with your environment department and your regulators, I know that sometimes that can be intimidating for farmers. Like they, I don't, they, we're a lot of times we're pitted against each other, but when they know who you are, they know what your, what your name is, what your face is like, that goes a really long way for just making sure that, you know, you're up on what's going on and what's changing in your state. So as we've talked about earlier, you're not only someone who works as an environmental consultant for dairy farms, but you are a dairy producer yourself. How has this bridge helped you in both roles? I think that it has, it has its pros and its cons. Um, I feel like it, it allows me to be able to talk with dairy farmers, understand their concerns really well, like very ins and outs. I know what the milk price is doing. I know what the, you know, the drought conditions are. I know what's going on, um, on the farms. And so that just obviously gives me such a close connection with my clients. I think on the flip side, sometimes in, 
the environmental space, like in the regulatory space, it was assumed I had a bias because of being a dairy farmer. And I'm obviously I probably do. I am a dairy farmer. I'm not like disagreeing with that, but I just don't think that being a dairy farmer and caring for the environment are like mutually exclusive things like dairy farmers. Like I said, at the very beginning, genuinely care about their land, their cattle, their water, their natural resources. Um, I mean, the water coming to my house is exactly the same water going to the cows water troughs. Like it's obviously I care about the water I'm using in my household with my kids as much as anyone at our state capital cares um, and our regulators care. And so just being able to really try to have those conversations and again, like letting them get to know you and, and being out on your farm, like when they come out to do inspections, making sure you're there and that you're available to talk with them. Um, I think has been something I have found to be just really important is they need to see us as a family, the family farm, the, the farmer, they need to see the farmer, not just think of you as your permit number. So do you feel like it's sometimes an us versus them mentality when it comes to regulations for the dairy community? And what do you think the path is to combat that? Oh, absolutely. I think that, I think it is, it's a very disservice to us too. When we do have that us versus them. Um, I think that we have to stop playing defense. I say this a lot. I just, I think we need to be more on the offense. We need to be show, show our willingness. I mean, I, I think that it is, it's a complicated issue. I mean, I think people think if they're like too friendly or they make changes that like, they're going to get taken advantage of, or like that, you know, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile kind of attitude. And I understand that as well. And so I think it's, it's not all on us. I think it's also on the regulators. Um, I think when you have regulators, one thing that I have found is when environment departments are able to hire regulators who actually have an ag background, it just, that can help the conversation that can open the communications. You know, when you have someone that they've never been on a dairy before and they're now suddenly your regulator, it automatically like puts you kind of at just like at odds. You just, it's, it's hard to have those really in-depth conversations you need to be having if they're still learning about like the basic layouts of a dairy farm. Um, so I think it's, it goes, it's not all on us. It's not on all, all on regulators, but we have to stop approaching it as an us versus them. And we have to stop being on defense when a regulator, you know, or our environmental permitting department comes out, like we've got to find a way to be more on offense and have more open dialogues. Absolutely. And I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but as an environmental scientist, is there a take-home message you'd like dairy men and women that are listening to understand? I think we, and this is like super generalization, we we do go into those conversations automatically on the defense. And so I challenge I always challenge my dairy farmers and I'll challenge those listening to go in with more of an open mind, like share that you are, you know, you care about the same things they do. Like, you know, I think we come, we can come off really like, um, brash and like harsh sometimes because we're just, we automatically have this assumption of how this is, these conversations are going to go, but just taking a step back and realizing you're all working towards the same goal. And I know that makes it sound like, you know, a peace, love, the world is like a happy place. I understand that there are tough conversations you're still going to have, and you're going to have disagreements and you're going to push back on different things that you don't agree with. But I just think going, trying to go into the conversations with the most open mind you can and trying to be understanding, taking the extra time to show them, um, you know, just, just the little things I think can go a long way. And so, um, you know, having those conversations, showing them what you've improved and how, you know, have you put nozzles on your hoses? Like, tell them that, tell them like, Hey, we put nozzles on our hose and we've seen a big water reduction. Like, you know, kind of like 
brag about yourself and what you've done with your farm. Um, and I just think that they, they appreciate seeing that you care as much as they care and vice versa. Now on the flip side, as a dairy farmer, what's something you wish that more regulators understood? Oh, this one's easy. Uh, I wish more regulators understood how many other facets of the dairy there are beyond environmental regulations and manure management. Um, I think that, I think this goes with any part of the dairy. Sometimes this happens is you have an agency that comes onto your place and they are so focused. I mean, you could take um, your environment department, they come out, they focus on manure management, water conservation, you know, any environmental stuff you have a uh, USDA FDA come out like milk inspection and that that's theirs. Then you have, you know, I mean, there's a thousand, then you have your crop advisors, you have your accountants, you have your bankers, you have all of these other, your veterinarians. I mean, literally the list goes on and on and that is their focus so, and as it should be. But I do wish like going back to the, you know, regulator side from the environmental side of things, I wish that they had a better understanding of the fact that dairy farmers are dealing with a thousand different things on their farm any given day. And I mean, I know everyone in the world is busy. Everyone's job requires them to be in a million different places. Everyone's families require a lot, but I do wish that they just understood that a little bit more that like, this is not the only priority on our farm. You know, we have cow care, we have a thousand other things too. Um, and so while we absolutely do care about this, there there's, it's not like singular on the dairy. There's just a lot of other facets that go into this. So I even like, I've been told, you know, had regulators and wanted us to change some kind of practice on the dairy and the dairy farmer had to explain that like, that was going to be worse for cow health. So while it might've been like in their mind, good for like environmental regulations, it wasn't good for cow health. And so them not having that understanding can be really hard. Um, and so I think that's something I wish regulators just understood a little bit better. No, absolutely. So we're now at the end of our conversation. And this is um, this next question is one that I've asked um, every podcast um, interviewee that we've had so far. Um, but what does an animal centered environment mean to you? I this probably goes back to my last comment. Like I think an animal centric environment is really like taking into account all of the different aspects of our farms, like ecosystem. I mean, I know it's not an ecosystem, like a forest, but like taking into account all the aspects that go into making our cows healthy, our land healthy, like our natural resources preserved, like all of them fitting in together, um, and being like a well-balanced, like cycle, well-balanced system. Um, that's kind of the way I, I feel like it is. So I don't know if that's a good answer or not. But I feel like that's my response is all the pieces of your farm coming together to give, you know, your cattle the best environment that they can have. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's personal. So that's, that's what we want. Um, so thanks again, Tara, for your time and sharing your thoughts. I think we all learned a little bit more about how to work together as we continue to produce food for future generations as efficiently as possible while protecting our resources. So thanks again for everyone tuning in to this episode of Dairy Intelligence Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.